Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Not everyone appreciates what you appreciate, true? You have a hobby, maybe it's reading or knitting or fishing or hunting or maybe it's running Maybe it's running. Um, you enjoy something that maybe your family just doesn't get. You know, they don't get you or they see it's a waste of time or you collect something. Maybe you collect, you know, stamps or coins or dolls or some antique thing and others are wondering why. Why do you collect that and why are you wasting your money on that? Uh, maybe you love dogs. Who loves dogs? Woohoo, of course. Everybody should love dogs. I love my dog and he loves me. That is Scout. He's my 10-year-old Weimariner, and uh, he, he's just a faithful, loyal friend. And, and, and we even get affectionate at times. Yeah, I mean, I know some of you are wondering, why isn't his wife sitting in front of the fire? <laughs> well, you know, the dogs, they, they're so full of joy, and they wag their tails, and they greet you when you come home. Or, or maybe you love cats. How many cat lovers here? What is wrong with you people? I mean, I just don't get you. I mean, they don't greet you. They don't hold your hand. They don't come when you call them. You ever play fetch with a cat? Yeah, this is what it looks like. Yeah, see, that's case in point, okay? What, what? I I just do not get you cat people. Now, case in point, not everyone appreciates what you appreciate. Um, Some things that are not appreciated really don't matter in this life, one way or the other. But some things that are not appreciated not only matter in this life, oh, but they greatly matter for eternal life. Not everyone in this world appreciates Jesus. And for much of the world, his words are mocked, his life is scorned. And this world and our culture are not fans of Jesus. Uh, To prove it, all you have to do is mention to some people that you're a Christian or you're a follower of Jesus. And instantly you are labeled. And immediately you are judged by this very tolerant culture we live in. Um, Though many don't appreciate Jesus, everyone in this world needs him. And I mean everyone. We've started a series in the book of John, the gospel of John, and we are just going to look at the life of Jesus. We're going to watch him and we're going to listen to him and we're going to study him. And we've titled this series, Glory Among Us, because that's who he is. He is the light of the world that shines in glory. And uh, last week we saw this bug-eating weirdo, John the Baptist, and he was testifying about the light and he's pointing to the light And this week, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of John. Open up your Bibles to the book of John. And we're going to continue in this passage of John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 9 through 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. And read along with me as I start in verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. My prayer is that each and every one of us will grow and renew our appreciation for who Jesus is. But when it comes to the light, first we learn this, embrace the truth. Say that with me, embrace the truth. That's the first part of verse 9. There was the true light. Jesus is truth. To hear the words of Jesus is to hear the truth. To, to look and watch and see the life of Jesus is to see the embodiment of all that is true. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And true here means genuine. Means that which is real. It can also carry the idea of that which is ultimate. There was the true light, the real light, the genuine light, the ultimate light. He is the true, full, radiant light of God. That's what Hebrews 1.3 tells us. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus is God. He is God in the flesh. He is God who becomes a man. As D.A. Carson put it, the true light, the genuine and ultimate self-disclosure of God to man. Jesus is truth. Now, there's many false lights in this world. Little twinkling men in pulpits, shining feel-good sermons. Spiritual fakes, fascinating people with the power of positivity. And just like Christmas lights, they eventually come down. By the way, your light should be down by now, people, just to let you know, okay? False lights, though, do so much damage. People who follow false lights are in trouble. And it's similar to what the American poet Robert Lowell said, the light at the end of the tunnel is just the light of an oncoming train. That's the false lights of this world that people are following. Be careful of, of the fake lights and the spiritual knockoffs and the pretenders that lead people astray. They're described this way in 2 Corinthians 11. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of what? An angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be in according to their deeds. Christian, exercise discernment. Not everybody who holds a Bible and speaks from a pulpit is a representative of God. Please be careful. Be careful. And not every Christian book at the Christian bookstore is written by a man of God or a woman of God. Please exercise discernment. What a difference true light makes, though. As many of you know, I love to run trails with my friends. And oftentimes this time of year when we run trails, it's, it's dark. It's dark out. And so we have to run by headlamps. And so we get out on the trails, and that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, I can't see real well, but we can see some of the trail that's just right in front of us. But then when the sun comes up like this past Tuesday, and it just has to come up a little, whew, everything is seen. That's the difference of the light 
and the sun coming up. It, it just awakens you and invigorates you and reveals the trail and protects you and guides you and it warms you up on a cold morning, that sun. The light of the sun makes all the difference in the world on a run. The light of the Son of God makes all the difference in the world in this life and the life to come. He, he awakens the soul and invigorates the heart and he reveals and protects and he guides and he warms us up in this cold, harsh world with his love. That's the difference of following the true light of God. And, and the Lord Jesus said it in, in John 8, I am the light of the world and he who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So if you're here today and you've been walking in darkness, you don't need to do that anymore. Jesus is here he will, he will lead you. He will guide you. No more walking in darkness. He's the truth. He makes all the difference. And he makes all the difference now as well as forever. He's this never fading eternal light of glory. And one day, the new Jerusalem will descend out of heaven upon a new earth that God will make. And we're told something about this new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven and the source of light. In Revelation 21, we're told that the city of God has no need of sun nor of moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. In Revelation 22, there will no longer be any night. And they, will not, they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them. The Lord God, the Lamb of God, is the light of God. That's who he is. So renew your appreciation for Jesus. And when it comes to the light, embrace the truth. And secondly, acknowledge the power. Say that with me. Acknowledge the power. Look at the second part of verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. This power pierces this world. He invades this planet as the second person of the Trinity. He is God incarnate, dwelling among us as a man and dying for us on the cross to save us from our sins. And he comes into this world. Now I want you to notice, world is not to be taken neutrally in this verse. World is to be taken negatively. This world is filled with a deep darkness and he pierces through with the light. This world is badly broken. In spite of all of its technological advancements and achievements, it is corrupt. It is full of sin. It's in complete rebellion against its creator and its maker. It's cold, it's harsh, this world. It's full of hatred and lies and greed and murder and rape and brutality of every sort. That is the world in which we live. It is a broken world. It is a dark world. It's desperate for light and the light has shown. The light has shown. The light came into this world, prophesied in the book of Isaiah long ago, Isaiah 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Isaiah 49, talking of his servant. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. 
And again in chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and a deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear uh, uh, upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So the light this was prophesied in the word, word, and the light is proclaimed by men. You see this in the book of Luke, when Simeon, in the temple, takes the baby Jesus in his arms. And he proclaims in Luke 2, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to who? The Gentiles. Unless you're a full-blooded Jew here, he's talking to you. The light of God came for you. Jesus came for you. The glory of your people Israel and Paul defending himself before King Agrippa and Festus in Caesarea in Acts 26 that the Christ was to suffer. That by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. We have hope in this world because of the resurrection, because of the light of Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Death isn't the end for us people. It's not over at death. There's life after death because of Jesus, the light of the world, the hope of this world. And so this power pierces the darkness of this world. And it says in verse 9, this power enlightens every man. What in the world does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus enlightens every man? Does that mean every man gets to go to heaven and every woman gets to go to heaven? Is that what it means? That everybody's just automatically forgiven and automatically saved and go to heaven? No, that's not what it means. Well, what does it mean? Two things it can mean here. And neither of them contradict. One is that it can refer to the general grace of God on humanity. That he enlightens the truth for all humans. Whether they're saved or not. Whether they believe or not. There is this inward illumination. A knowledge of God within every human person. And there's a general revelation. A knowledge of God seen in creation. It's similar to as that which is expressed in Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. He has enlightened every human being, within and without. All men are enlightened to a point. As the German philosopher Immanuel Kant said, two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe the more often and steadily we reflect upon them. The starry heavens above me and the moral law within me. God has truly enlightened every human being. Can also mean this though, that the light has come and brings light. It shines, it exposes is what it does. The light enlightens every man. It exposes the fakes and the phonies from true believers. It enlightens every man. It shines on every single soul and powerfully exposes whether a person is a true follower or or not, whether they're truly saved or eternally lost. It's light that exposes. It's like going to the dentist. 
put under the light. Ah. That dentist or that technician looks in that dark, cavernous mouth of yours and exposes the plaque, the gum disease, the cavities. The light exposes every single person in the heart of every single man and woman, boy and girl. Renew your appreciation for Jesus. Embrace the truth, acknowledge the power, and when it comes to the light, comprehend the tragedy. Say that with me. Comprehend the tragedy, because it is tragic. It's tragic how often the light is ignored. It's tragic how often the light is rejected. That's verse 10 and 11. Look at verse 10 and 11 of John 1. He's in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. And so we have two negatives in this passage, two negative responses to the light. This light that is so wonderful and so incredible and so good and so pure, and yet people still ignore and people still reject. And it's in spite of the witness of others. Last week we saw and heard John the Baptist's testimony. And still people would reject, especially the religious people. People who were comfortable in their religious upbringing. People who were comfortable in their traditions and their, their self-righteousness. They don't need God. Or comfortable in their sin. It says he came into the world. He came to this planet, the society, this world. He was the light, born of a woman, nursed as a baby, grows as a boy, and walks this planet as a man. He is fully God and fully man in this world. That's who Jesus is, the second person of the Trinity. And he's in the world, the world that he made, verse 10. The world was made through him. And it harkens back to John 1, 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He is the creator God. That's who Jesus is. We see this again in Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God. To look at Jesus is to see God. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is God. He's the creator God. And he spoke this world into existence. And this world that he made ignores him. He doesn't know him. This is Dave. I'm going to say, Dave who? Who's Dave? Dave Jeffellers. Who? Dave Jeffellers. Who's that? He built this church. He spent 18 months at this church. Every day through the week. He's been at this church more than a lot of you people. He was our general contractor, poring over plans, walking these hallways, coordinating every aspect of this building, overseeing a team of subcontractors. You know, if Dave showed up on a Sunday, 99.9% of us would have no clue who he was. If you passed him in the hallway, you'd have no clue. If you shook his hand at the greeting time, you'd have no clue. And this is where in the first service, I said, Dave, would you stand? And Dave was over here and he stood up. I asked him if he'd come out. He lives in DeKalb and he came on out. 
Some of you passed him in the hallway probably after he left the first service. He had no clue who he was. He built this church. That's who he is. Now we paid him to do it, but he still, he built it. I was just Scott the Baptist preparing the way for Dave this morning. I don't know. Now, it's one thing to ignore Dave. It's another thing to ignore Jesus. Jesus made you. He created this world. The world that you live in and move on, the air that you breathe, the resources of this world, everything is his. Would you stop ignoring your creator? Some of us are really good at ignoring our God every single day when the first thing we should do is say, good morning, God. And talk to our God. And read his word, his love letter to us. And worship him. Christians sometimes are really good at ignoring their God. I'm in church. God isn't just a one day a week thing. He's your God every single day. And some of us need to stop ignoring him. Like this world that refuses to acknowledge him, doesn't appreciate him, rarely pays attention to him. He's our master builder. It's all his. He created you, he created me, and he created this planet. No more ignoring our God. Worship him, give him thanks, and stand in awe of who he is. And renew your appreciation for him. Much of this world is ignorant, chooses to ignore. Much of this world flat out rejects Jesus. Verse 11 says, they did not receive him. Now I want to do a little explaining here. Verse 11, he came to his own and those who were his own. Came to his own is in reference to the place. He came to this planet, this world. And those who were his own refers to the people on this planet. So he came to this place and he's rejected by its people is what it means. Specifically rejected by the Jews who rejected their promised Messiah and the anointed one. But generally any person on this planet who rejects him. He's the light that was rejected. Here's another light that's often rejected. I'm not speaking from experience, just observation, people. Just observation. As a matter of fact, if that yellow light could talk, no one ever listens to me. (laughs) You know, it's dangerous rejecting that little yellow light. You just refuse to follow that light, and you know what? You cause an injury or an accident, and it could be serious injuries. It could even be death. Listen, rejecting a little yellow light is one thing. Rejecting the light of the world is a whole nother. And for some of you here, your life is nothing but accident after accident after accident because you refuse to acknowledge God. And you continue just to speed right through that intersection when God is saying, I need you to stop. And you get involved in that relationship you should have never gotten involved in. And you, do, and you buy things with your money you should have never purchased. And you live a lifestyle that you should have never lived. And all of a sudden your life becomes one big accident after another after another. Because you don't pay attention to the light of the world. And you just speed through and you do whatever you darn well want to do. And then you want to blame everybody else in this world for all of your problems. And God is saying maybe you just need to put the brakes on. 
Maybe it's time you acknowledge me as the light of the world, and maybe it's time that you acknowledge me as God. Aren't you tired of the accidents? Aren't you tired of the problems you're causing? And for some of you, you're already believers. And for others, I've got great news for you. There is a light who will guide you and lead you and protect you and help you and love you. Just look to the light of Jesus. Receive the light. Stop running from the light. Renew your appreciation for Jesus. Embrace the truth, acknowledge the power, comprehend the tragedy, and when it comes to the light, receive, believe, and be born of God. Say that with me. Receive, believe, and be born of God. Look at verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's not all bad news. Not all people reject the Lord. It says as many as received him. So there's this dramatic change in the text, but as many as received him. And as many means there's no cap. Any and all can believe on Jesus. There's no limit. The invitation is open to all. We see this in Romans chapter 10, 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say that verse with me. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone and everyone, no matter their age, no matter the color of their skin, their nationality, no matter the sin in your life, No matter the wrong that you've done, no matter the shame that you feel and the guilt that weighs you on your soul, God knows all your sin and he loves you still. He says, whoever will call on me, I'm going to save. He says, I know your sin already and I still love you. He says, would you just call on me? Would you just receive me? Would you just let me save you? And receive means to take hold, means to obtain. It means to receive Jesus as the light of the world, to receive him as God who became a man who died for your sin, to receive him as this gift of love and forgiveness, this gift of mercy and grace that I don't deserve and you don't deserve, this package of eternal love. Would you receive that package? Receive him. And everything changes when you do. It says in verse 12, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not the power, as some translations say, but the right. It means the privilege. If you receive him, he gives you the privilege of being his child. In other words, no one is naturally a child of God. There's a lot of people out there that that think, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all creations of God. We're not all children of God. The children of God are the ones who have received God's gift of mercy and grace. We become God's children by adoption. And for some of you here today, you're in the orphanage of this world. And your adoption's not been finalized. You know God loves you. But you have not become a true child of God and taken his name as your own. This relationship isn't official until you receive the Lord. Now, there's many families in our church who've adopted. A lot of families in our church. There's two families that just recently adopted. 
One is the Wilson family. Little Azaliah Caselin Case. Her adoption was just finalized December 14th. By the way, Azaliah means Yahweh has reserved. Yahweh has reserved. Here's a picture of her. Yahweh has reserved that little girl. You know what she is? She's a Wilson now. That's her last name. She is a part of the Wilson family. With all the rights and privileges that come with being a Wilson. Here's another family in our church, the Copelands. Rick and Pam have uh, eight children. Five are adults and they have three adopted at home. Uh, Their most recent is little Kingston. His adoption was finalized November 26th. And then there's CJ and Marissa. Kingston is now a Copeland. That's what he is. And as Pam likes to affectionately say, part of the Copeland nation. (laughs) These are adopted children. They have become a part of these families. They are true children with all rights and privileges of these homes and of these families. And the same is true of you and of me. When God adopts us, we become part of his family. With all the rights and all the privileges, we're made a part of his family. And, and, and not only now, but for all of eternity. And you become a child of the king, is who you are. You've become a child of the king. You've received him as your savior. Many do receive, many do believe. Look at verse 12. Even to those who believe in his name. This is more than just believing in the existence of God. That doesn't get you into heaven. James 2.19. You believe that God is one you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. The demons believe in God. They're not going to heaven. Believing is the same as receiving It's taking hold of God's love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. And and, and it says here, believing in his name. Well, what does that mean? To believe in the name of God. It's, It's not just knowing his name. It's not just knowing a label that he's Jehovah. His name represents his character, who he is and what he's like. And you're willing to place your trust in that name based on who he is and what he's like. We have two good examples in the Psalms. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some boast in chariots and some in horses. That's where they put their trust. But we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Not boasting in a title, Jehovah, but trusting in God. Who he is and what he's like. Here's another example. Psalm 9, 10. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. So the know the name is to trust the character. So we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, we see who God is and what God is like. To see Jesus is to behold God. And so we place our trust in Jesus. We place our trust in God for the forgiveness of our sins. For his grace and mercy to be shown to us. Many receive, many believe. Verse 13, many are born of God. Now, I want you to understand, those three things are the same. To receive him is the same as to believe in his name is the same to be born of God. It's just three different ways of saying the same thing. To receive him, to believe in his name, and to be born of God is all the same. Now, notice what he says in verse 13, how we're not born. 
when it becomes when you become a child of God. You're not born of the blood. That's not what he's talking about. Born of blood means this he's not talking about physical birth. He's not talking about natural birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. He says not born of the will of flesh. What's that talking about? That's talking about the sexual desire to come together. That's not what he's talking about. And then he says, not born of the will of man. What's that, what's that about? That's, that's family planning, the decision to have a baby and, and, and start a family. He's not talking. He's not talking about born of blood naturally or born of the will of flesh sexually or born of the will of man family planning. He's saying, but born of God. And this blows my mind. This is what God says. He says, God who was born of man, says to man, you must be born of God. That's wild. Our God was born a man. And now he says to all of humanity, in order to go to heaven, you must be born of God. Not natural, but a supernatural birth. Your spiritual birth is an act of God. That's what it is. It was God's idea and God's plan and God made it happen. But you may say, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. I thought I had to receive the Lord and I had to believe in the Lord. And yes, you did. This does not remove man's responsibility. But God chose you. And God predestined you. And God adopted you. He looked upon the orphanage of this world and he saw you squirming in your sin. And he picked you up and he washed you off and he holds you close and he calls you by his own name and he says, now you are my child and you're my child forever and I'm going to love you and I'm going to take care of you. I'm calling you my own. That's what God did for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he cares for you. Whether anybody else in the world you don't think cares for you, your God does. And he looked upon you and he picked you up and he, he adopted you. It's called the doctrine of election or predestination. And it's beyond our full capacity to understand. It's these two parallel truths that I must believe on God, but God has chosen me already. And these two parallel truths run side by side and they never contradict. And, and you may be here and say, well, yeah, I got that figured out. Well, then you must be the fourth person of the Trinity, buddy, because I, uh, it's, it's beyond us. It's beyond us to fully comprehend that I have a responsibility to call on the Lord. Whoever will call on the Lord shall be saved. But yet, he has predestined, chosen, and adopted us. We see this truth most clearly taught in Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We are saved by grace alone through faith, which he lavished on us. In him also it goes on, we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, that's human responsibility. We believed, we weren't forced. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You who are believers in Christ have been chosen, predestined, adopted, and you believed on God and you came to God. And the Lord Jesus said in John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives to me, gives me, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Come to him. He never casts out those who come to him. Come to him. And he will forgive you. And he will save you. I want you to understand, your birth, your spiritual birth, is a miraculous birth. God looked upon this orphanage of humanity, and he chose you. And he gave you his name and he loves you now and for all eternity. Renew your appreciation for Jesus. Embrace the truth. Acknowledge the power. Comprehend the tragedy. Receive, believe, and what? Be born of God. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.